Most of the the innovators of the future are the ones who you don't know somewhere in a basement right now because they're doing it in a democratized or decentralized way. That's where innovation comes. Welcome to the Disruptance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Forney and Michael Bounds. So Eric, last week we were talking about Web 3.0 and what that means and the difference between Web 1 and 2 and this new era that we are entering. And we briefly started talking about, um, well, we also talked pretty in depth about the video game side of it all and what that means and had some pretty solid um, Mario comparisons and casino comparisons to help Mike get an understanding of what's happening here and myself. So this week I wanted to ask you about AR and kind of what you see happening in the AR space within the metaverse and uh, as well as, I guess it's probably separate too, right? Because like NFTs are being created right now for the metaverse uh, because people need to hang artwork in their houses that they buy (laughs) in the metaverse. Yeah. Um, And to some degree, that's just even one section too. So like understand then, so you know, we're early in this phase of everything and, and there's, there's oftentimes only an understanding of like what is the most commonly talked about or what is mainstream. So, you know, Beeple's NFT is the most commonly talked about, um, NFT from a mainstream standpoint. And that was artwork, right? And that was mm-hmm. art that sold for $69 million. And then, recently is sold individual pieces for 6 million and 20 million. And so, um, that was art and, and digital art is no different than physical art in the sense that, um, really what it is, is it's an investment in social signaling. It's an investment in an artist and, uh, that, that other people will want it in the future at a higher price than what you pay for it. Understand that you're, you're buying art for one of two reasons. You enjoy it and you want to hang it in your house so you can look at it or you're speculating that it will go up in the future because someone else will want um, original artwork from that particular artist. And so Beeple is the most common like NFT, uh, commonly talked about NFT. Now then there's a whole whole new subset of NFTs um, that, are, that are not art related. So Nike, for instance, just uh, I think put 20 plus patents, which is stupid. Am inside of the uh, digital creation space because patents, in my opinion, will be worthless inside of Web3 because no one will want them or care about them. Because, again, that implies that there's an intermediary third party trying to enforce physical rules and laws inside of a digital democratized community. I I just don't see how that sticks at scale, but but possibly. Um, so, So Nike is now saying that they'll they're going to have digital shoe creations that you can own inside of a metaverse as an NFT. So an NFT is essentially is what's going to give you digital ownership and property rights. So shoe, so think about buying Jordans for your, for your wee bowler <laughs> and owning them. Okay. Okay. So th- that means that if Nike, when they release a set of jump mans, right, they have a fixed supply of every release of desirable shoes that they put out and therefore the price of them goes up because there's a fixed supply of physical Nike shoes 
pair of Yeezys or whatever might right, go for yeah. 600, two grand, whatever. Um, now take that digitally, make them limited and scarce yeah. and give someone ownership of it digitally. That's where the NFT part comes into play is NFT is the equivalent of like a receipt for a digital ownership or digital property rights. Got it. And now you can think about everything that you can put digitally inside of a, of your life that you would want an ownership record of. So songs, artwork, video, shoes, clothes, houses, land, yachts, all of those things become NFTs if you want to own them. Someone then has to record that you're the rightful owner of that digital property. Okay. And then it can resell if you choose and someone wants to pay more money for it, they can sell for more money. And there's a lot of people on Fiverr that I saw are making a lot of money designing NFTs for people. <laughs> yeah. So I saw when I was doing some homework on this, I saw that you could spend $100 and get a NFT made of a character that's, it can range from like a raccoon that has a bunch of goofy outfits, or it could be a lion, or it could be a bear. It could be literally anything. And, yeah. they, and then for $450, they'll give you like 10,000 of these characters of the same character. I think it was 10,000. Is it either 1,000 or 10,000? Yeah, probably. I'll fact, I'll fact check myself here yeah, in a second. probably. But, the, uh, but they're saying that that's then once you have that, then it's on you then to like hype up that NFT. Correct. So then you could sell that limited amount of them. Yeah. In the event that they're worth something. Yeah. After giving that NFT a social signal. Yep. That's right. So think about it as in, um, you know, there's a, and I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this, but there's a fascinating um, example of where um, someone went on to eBay and bought a bunch. Uh, it was someone who was like a, a, a writer for a living, um, bought a bunch of items on eBay and then got them delivered, of course, and then went back onto eBay, put them all back up for sale, but wrote stories and narratives about the items and ended up getting uh, like tens of multiples more money for each individual item because of the story that was told about each individual yeah. item of junk that they bought on eBay. Like maybe it was like a thimble, you know, <laughs> bought for like a dollar and then wrote this like ridiculous story about this particular thimble in order to sell it for maybe a hundred dollars or whatever. And so if you think about in, uh, what you're talking about, Tyler, which is the idea that basically you could go and buy, you could go and have artwork created have it have it the artwork digitally then put onto a blockchain um, so that it gave you digital property rights of it then you would go and sell it on in a art platform like OpenSea or or NFTB or something um, you would then the the actual value of it is going to be the story that you tell and the amount of people that you get interested in the product and the amount of like influence that you have or the people in interested in your artwork have okay so you're telling me the fiverr will create a thousand avatars i'll tell you what uh, yeah i could do this and then i can like get them dope get them hype and yep. then i can then sell them to someone else yes and there's different types of these avatars too because there's like pixelated ones and then there's yeah. like 
not pixelated <laughs> ones because the, some of them are used in certain metaverses, right? It depends. Okay. So yeah. then there's, there's, um, remember, so there's, there's thing about there's metaverse, there's, there's NFTs that are things that you own that you are going to go take into a metaverse game, a metaverse world that you want to use to like social signal inside of a social community. So let me give you the perspective. So if, if you think about there's the overlay on your profile picture on Facebook that says that you got vaccinated, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now imagine if that were an NFT, you can, you could buy the vaccinated overlay that you put on your Facebook profile picture that you then use to really what it is. Think about it is when someone takes their profile picture and they put that vaccine logo over their profile picture, their social signaling that I got that vaccinated. They got vaccinated. Right. Yeah. So we were already that doing has a this. value. That is that is a value inside of a social peacocking society that we all that we all do. Some people choose to believe that that has currency or because they're signaling that's part of their identity. Okay. And so now imagine that. So, so you understand then that if you could pay for that, let's say that you bought that overlay mm-hmm. and that money went, it would right now it would have to go to Zuckerberg, right? right. Or it'd have to yeah. go to Facebook if you had to pay for but it. It would go to the person that has it. The overlay in, in, in the metaverse. That's right. It would be whomever created it. Whoever created this vaccine overlay would be the one who got paid initially for it. Now, if there was a fixed supply of those I'm vaccinated overlays, then they would go up in price because people who wanted the social signal that they were vaccinated would pay money to buy that on the open market. Mm -hmm. That's similar to like how NFTs work. So, okay, so you know how I feel? Yeah. I feel like Katie Couric in the 90s. Yeah, right? <laughs> that you is the best video ever. remember when she was trying to explain the You've, internet? Yes. <laughs> that little mark with the A and then the ring around it. At. See, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie said she thought it was about. Yeah. Oh. But I'd never heard or it. Around I'd never heard it said. Ba- I'd always seen right. the mark, but never yeah. heard it said. And then yeah. it sounded stupid when I said it. Violence at NBC. That little. so good. The little at, the little I think that's I think they pronounce that as at. It <laughs> is the best, dude. So, so you've got the like social NFTs that I'm gonna consider to be like the the vaccine like overlay. Okay. There are some things that you those are the, the NFTs that you would take into a metaverse. Because remember, the metaverse is going to be like a social network. It's a community of people engaging inside of one platform socially. Like there was a concert, for instance, a couple of weeks ago in, in um, Decentraland that people could go to if they had their avatar inside of Decentraland. Yeah, it's and, crazy. And so now what you're talking about, Tyler, is you go onto Fiverr and have art made yep. that can sell. And that artwork is... I'm sorry. You I'm can use art. No, that's okay. Someone <laughs> else is going to do the same thing. So, so artwork serves as um, you can use it a bunch of, you can use it to social signal a lot of different ways. No different than a Rolex and no different than a, a, a luxury vehicle. When someone has a Facebook profile picture of them standing in front of their Lamborghini wearing a Rolex, what they're really doing is social signaling. Yes. 
They're they're trying to flex their own their, what they think will cause them to be elevated in the hierarchy of of life. That's their value. Right? That's, that's how right. they perceive like that's yeah. their that's how they're projecting I, their yeah. identity with the desire to be more desire with the with the goal of being more desirable and going up the social hierarchy. So so art is basically a social flex. The same way that a Rolex is, the same way that a Lambo is, Got the same it. way that anything else is that people will choose to attach their identity to. So you could use an NFT um, of a bored ape, for instance, as your profile picture, that would be you socially flexing that you have spent $60,000 on a piece of digital artwork. Got it. So that's the fiber version of what you're talking about is the ability to create art that is effectively has value in social signaling. Does that make sense? Yes. Hopefully. Okay. So then there's all sorts of different variations of what's valuable yeah. from, from board apes to crypto punks to crypto kitties to noundles to a bunch of different. Because versions. they can all end up becoming their own coin, right? Well, they are like within the, I guess they, they can be sold they for, be sold they for can it. be sold because they're art and that's art right, is sold right. because people want to own it. I think that's the problem. I think the problem is there's a gap in the la- in the the language, and so yeah. once it's clearly like like that conversation is had and that that is being bridged, um, you have more clarity. But the problem is you still don't know what it could become. Like, I think we're at the very beginning of something that is crazy because I brought my virtual reality. Uh, headset what technology do you like you're you're talking like these headsets and I think that's going to go into glasses and then that's going to go into contacts what does that look like yeah so right now you know VR is somewhat obviously it's a massive uh, change from from the the standard viewing experience or the standard social experience that we have now however um i think that we'll start to see ar and um and vr and it become much more common now you know i know that recently zuckerberg indicated that um it's probably closer to like another seven ish years before it starts to be more like usable and and uh wearable from a like it's like wearing a VR headset right now is a little cumbersome. Yeah. If you were going to wear it all day, I think we're probably two decades out from wearing contacts that have AR um, capacity on them because there still are some like physical limitations with contacts in that they would need batteries or they're going to need to, you're going to, they'll need to solve the challenge of figuring out how to get power to a set of contact lenses and, yeah. and have it run long enough yeah. um, to where, you know, they don't necessarily need to be changed all the time. And then also um, not causing damage to, you know, your physical eye itself. But the con- when, when you start to see AR or VR contacts is when it's going to be ridiculously next level. Because yeah, we're, yeah, we're gonna- now you then imagine that if you were driving, um, you could project images onto the roadway itself. Or you could project images onto buildings. Okay. You could. So we're not talking like the Matrix, where we're all no. laying in like some sludge. Not yet. 
Probably <laughs> not. VR glasses on. Pro- probably around. not. The way I'm, the way <laughs> no. I'm seeing, I'm, I just looked up like the VR glass or not VR AR glasses. And yeah. Lenovo has some yep. out right now for fifteen hundred dollars. And based off just like the quick scroll of pictures that I've got, they just look like sunglasses, but you can take the like shades off. But what they end up like the pictures that I'm seeing, and I'll throw these up on the screen if you're watching, but is basically it's like imagine if you were at a computer you could almost have your multiple displays yeah that's right yeah kind of so, like when you're watching the terminator and you see the terminator yes. and yeah, yeah you have multiple <laughs> views yeah. remember science fiction actually is always a precursor to the future yeah it is i mean it, it is unfortunate because yeah. there are some things but science scary, but yeah. that's also how space travel worked by yeah. the way yeah. Remember that that there was a point in time when the Mayans were 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 quite literally logging and tracking the the lunar um, cycles, and they were mapping the stars, and that's how they made the calendar. Yeah, and it and so it took the Mayans to to envision that there had to be something bigger from a from a solar system standpoint. Yeah, to then understand that there was also the ability to do space travel. Yeah. But all that started first with mapping out the like solar cycle and the solar system and the lunar cycle and building a calendar around it. Yeah. And then being curious about what it's like to actually go to the moon and to to go to space. And all of that curiosity and imagination is what causes people to figure out how to innovate to create the future based curiosity. I told Amy the other day. I feel like we're living in the future. We are. Because it was the future. Yeah. When we were children, it was the future. Yeah. This is the interesting thing about the idea, you know, like if we tie, if we include one tiny little bit of real estate in this, uh, Gary, <laughs> <laughs> Gary Keller has been talking about the fourth industrial revolution to those of us within KW for, for what seems like eternity. And yet it's only been almost three years. Yeah. And a lot has changed. Now, it has not really impacted real estate yet in, in the most profound way. However, uh, there is a lot of um, advance in, uh, in computing and computing power. Because remember, Moore's Law tells us that computing power doubles um, you know, roughly every four years. And so um, we're likely going to see yeah. you know, digital even, real estate, yeah. people selling, buying and selling real estate yeah and so i don't even think our minds even understand that yet they don't they don't (laughs) and so because one of the challenges we don't know the time frame on it right is that one thing if you watch elon musk or um or you know zuckerberg or other people who are um are hyping technology innovation typically what they're doing is is they're going to oversell the timeline right you know it wasn't long ago that Elon Musk was talking about how we would have self-driving cars. Well, he missed that deadline. Yeah. However, we're supposed to have them cyber trucks by now. That's right. (laughs) And so they're always missing the deadline on when it's going to happen because you can't do a full fledged shut off of everything. We couldn't switch over to an all electric grid today if we wanted to. Right. There's too much of the legacy system already built on the rails of oil to be able to convert overnight to electricity if we wanted to. Right. And, and so despite the fact that there's a bunch of hyperbole around the timeline, it would, the timeline forces innovation. Right. 
because it forces the, the target. constraint. That's, that's the right. target. Like we're going to hit, if we don't hit it, you know, that's fine. But at least this is what we're going to shoot for. Yeah. And so because of that, we know that there are some laws of physics even included. Like I talked about the idea of Moore's law, right? Is that like there are some physics even included in the scaling of digital innovation and growth is because there has to be an increase in the number of like in transistors that are included into a circuit even. Mm-hmm. There are some physics-related requirements that, that have to be innovated um, in order to make these things happen. And so uh, that's why I'm thinking that we're probably two decades at least for AR contacts. Um, there are probably a lot of things that are, that are wild that we won't see, obviously, in our lifetime. Yeah. However, uh, the AR will be one of the most fascinating ones, I think. I think by what I was just looking up to, I saw Apple is supposed to be um, releasing, we'll see, uh, their version of AR glasses in 2023, where it's basically going to take your notifications and put them right in front of you. Yeah, I instead think of having an Apple Watch, you're going to have your glasses, and that I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to have a lot of other little respond like, to text message, and you'll have a, a microphone in your ear or something like that. I, I'm not wholly sold on Apple, and I say that only because you know, because you Tim, have a Droid, because Tim Cook is um, not a <laughs> yeah. Tim Cook is a supply chain like demigod, not not an innovator. And so I'm looking, f- uh, I'm looking at uh, a lot of other companies to do innovation. In fact, I'm more willing to bet that, um, that the actual innovators of the next two decades are the names that we don't know at all. And that's how it always goes. Because yeah, you never knew Zuckerberg or you never no. knew Elon Musk. I mean, Nope. 15 years ago. That's right. Yep. <laughs> and, 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 you know, when I think uh, Vitalik it was jobs Bu- before that, Vitalik Buterin was 21 years old when he, um, when he created Ethereum. Yeah. Most of the, the innovators of the future are the ones who you don't know somewhere in a basement right now because they're doing it in a democratized or decentralized way. That's where innovation comes. Wikipedia built a beat in Carta because it was democratized right it was done as a passion project yeah. not as a corporate initiative yeah and so most of the innovation i believe in web 3.0 will come as a byproduct of innovation which is almost always um, a forced innovation because of constraint facebook can't innovate and hasn't innovated they've only acquired yeah and yeah. then they've done no innovation after they acquire something they have to steal because innovation doesn't happen in cor- large corporations. Yeah. Innovation happens in startups due to force constraint. Right. They yeah. touched that on the creator's dilemma. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Like, what got you there? Like, what got you there got you huge. And That's then, right. and then you how do you let that big. go? That's right. <laughs> That's right. And so we are looking at that. So when we look at AR, that's where the, the innovation will happen, uh, is happening in a garage somewhere, in a basement somewhere, that most corporations are not actually going to be the ones innovating. Web 3.0 will give people the ability to uh, to not need corporations to do that. It'll give democracy back to the people. Like right now, like if you think about Ethereum, for instance, the second largest uh, blockchain technology in the world um, is owned by the community. Bitcoin owned by the community. It's a trillion plus dollar asset. It will be the size of Apple um, within four years or larger, and no one, no one and will no one exclusively it. own it. 
Yeah. And that will be the direction of the future is that the, that these communities will be owned by the community. I can see that. That is going to be a great prediction to place in four years from now. Oh, the, the Dow, Dow's will become the new LLC or the new, um, like government, so to speak, is that with, uh, with Dow's and with blockchain, you can actually democratize, um, government or you could actually democratize corporations. Just look last week, someone tried to, that a group of people community crowdfunded to purchase the constitution. I they saw raised that. 40, 43 million dollars. They bought the constitution. No, they didn't buy it. Unfortunately, Ken Griffin came along with the largest, with the best oh. troll of all time and, and paid more for the constitution. However, a bunch of people yeah. came together. I did. I read that in the news. So like, yeah. where does one, they, they, they said they were going to keep it at a, museum. they were going to put it into an art museum. Yeah. But it was going to be owned by the people. Anyone who chose to donate money would have had a, a ownership share in the constitution. That is awesome, man. That is where we're headed. That's the future, bro. That's where we're going. Yep. Yeah. And that's a good place to be, actually. Yeah. Because when you think about it, what it's really saying is that that the community owns items of, of value instead yeah. of... The government. That's right. Or instead of large heads of state, or instead of oligopies, or instead it's of... It's corruptible. That's like, right. that's the thing. That's the la- what we've been experiencing. That's right. Is you don't want corruption. Ken Griffin to be o- the owner of... Uh, the Constitution when the, when you could have had the Constitution owned by the people who wanted to own it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a new world. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>